So I went in there and they, you know, they did their spiel and I said, okay, let's get some paperwork and let's look at your stuff. And the guy, you know, he ran my papers and everything. And he came back and was like, man, there's no way you're joining the Marine Corps. You're a two-time convicted felon. Like you get out of my office and you, and you don't even have a high school diploma. Like scram kid. He's like, there's no way. He basically said, there's no way you're joining the Marine Corps. And man, I tell you what, that lit a fire in my belly. And I, that became my mission. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. I'm your other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. This man is a genuine, authentic American hero. He has spent 12 years fighting the global war on terror as a Marine, as a recon Marine, and as a Marine Raider. I am speaking, of course, of none other then the one, the only, the legendary Nick Kumalatsos. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you very much, Nikki. It's an honor to have you here, my friend. Brother, your story is- I feel, a like, pro- I feel like I need to have you just, you know, like everywhere I go, just, just intro me like that. <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that a lot. So I'll tell you something, man. I, I found you by watching your YouTube channel. I'm- uh, I've got this obsession with knives, you know? I just got into knives through one of my my, my men. And um, my, Michael's uh, somebody who's really good and handy with his hands, and he's actually building a hot rod, something you could probably ask him a couple questions about. And uh, I started to watch uh, videos on YouTube about knives and EDC, everyday carry, and so on and so forth. And I found a, a video that you'd put together on YouTube, which has had like 100,000, 200,000 views, about your whole everyday carry routine. And I watched that. Then I started watching some other videos you'd created with Clint Emerson. You know, he, he wrote a couple of really cool books, right? A uh, uh, hundred deadly survival skills. I think it was called, I think I, I bought them both. I started reading the first one and uh, I thought, wow, this guy's the real deal. Let me ask him feel yeah. come be on our show. So your story's an amazing one and where you've arrived is, is, is incredible. Could you share your story with our listener? Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, it's kind of funny now, you know, being adult and looking back, I always make a joke, but I grew up, uh, being raised by my mother and I kind of make the joke that I feel like we were like running from the law because it seems like we were moving every six months. Like, <laughs> I would, I would wake up in the back of this little white Toyota Corolla, this like 1982 Toyota Corolla. And I'm like, Oh, I guess we're moving again. And really it was just, you know, she was just a single mom trying to raise two boys and working two jobs and you just had to kind of go where the where the jobs and the money were, and so I kind of was raised as like until I became I guess high school age, we were kind of raised like a, a, a small gypsy family just moving all over the United States, which I absolutely hated as a child. But now looking back, it really gave me the flexibility, the patience, and like the tenacity to kind of just go anywhere in the world and uh, be extremely flexible with the environment and you know. 
but so I, I did that. And then we finally settled, you know, high school years. I finally settled in Panama City, Florida, which we were originally from. And we had more family there. And that's where my mom grew up. And so I went through high school there. And then around that time, you know, very young, I started getting into a lot of trouble. Like I just idle hands, I guess you will. You know, my mom's working full time. And I just decided to go the wrong route, if you if you will. So that by the time I was 13, I actually had two felonies under my belt. And, you wow. know, every, it, and people hear this stuff because they're like, wait a minute, you had two felonies, then you went into the Marine Corps, then you went to special operations, then you end up with a TF clearance. And you got to do all these things in spite of all that. And that is true. I, I 100% did all those things in spite of that. So I, so I, I got in trouble and then quickly realized, I will never forget, I had to get processed through county jail because the juvenile detention center was full. And... I, remember, I distinctly remember that being like kind of a wake up call going, man, this is not okay. Like one, why is juvie so full? And then two, like I am 13 years old and have, I have no business. I have no business being in uh, county jail with all these, you know, degenerate grown men. At that point, you know, I, I had to do some community service and things kind of really started to take a turn. And I honestly, I accelerated my life. Like I got a a, a good job. I was back in school. I actually ended up skipping a grade. I skipped the eighth grade and ended up uh, getting a really good job, making a, a ridiculous amount of money for a 16 year old uh, boy and ended up leaving school after 10th grade and getting a GED because I was like, wait a minute, I'm making, you know, a thousand to $1,500 a week. And, you know, school's eating up eight hours a day. I can just go take this test and be done and continue on. Well, the problem, which I, which is what I did, the problem with that is when you're 17 years old, you're making good money and you just, that's it. Like I, it, I hit a wall going, this can't be it. I'm 17. This is my life. Like I just do this until I, and for the rest of my life, like I just, you know, live on Panama city beach and on a beach house and make money and just. Doesn't sound know. too bad though. It, it doesn't when you're older, but like at, at 17 years old, I'm thinking this redundancy of life it, it can't, this can't be it. There's got to be more adventure. There's got to be, you know, I was a, I had grown up with everything changing around me all the time. And all of a sudden it was just the same day in, day out. I went to work. I did a good job. I came home and, and that's it. I just, and it, and it just repeated and I got, I got stuck in that, you know, that cycle and that's really when I started looking for the military because I was looking for like I was looking for that next big adventure, the next strife or the next <laughs> the next problem to overcome. You know, I kind of felt like I had overcome all my problems. And I was in a good spot. I needed a I needed a villain. That's what I needed. I needed a you know every hero needs a villain. So I needed I needed something to fight against. And uh, so I went to go ask them about the the military, and you know just I. I was like, well, I'm going to do the hardest, you know, the best, I'm going to be the best of the best and the hardest one. And, you know, of course, you know, if you're looking at it from that angle, just the, you know, the in initials going into the military, everybody knows that the Marine Corps initially is the hardest branch to go through. Their recruit training is longer, it's harder, you know, whatever. So I went in there and they, you know, they did their spiel and I said, okay, let's get some paperwork and let's look at your stuff. And the guy, you know, he ran my papers and everything. And he came back and was like, 
man, there's no way you're joining the Marine Corps. You're a two-time convicted felon. Like, you get out of my office. And you, and you don't even have a high school diploma. Like, scram, kid. He's like, there's no way. He basically said, there's no way you're joining the Marine Corps. And man, I tell you what, that lit a fire in my belly. And I that became my mission. So for the next two and a half years, that is exactly what I did. My entire mission, I changed everything about my life. I moved back in with my grandmother. I started to go to school. I was, you know, I did every, took two and a half years. I did everything that I could to join the, join the Marine Corps. And I'm talking, I went to maps. I had to see doctors. I had to get interviews from commanding officers of the recruiting station. I had probably close to 50 rec- letters of recommendation. I mean, that became my whole goal in life. I gave up the good paying job and just went back to being a, being a kid with no money and just, you know, that was my mission and I did it. And for anybody listening, that's, you know, they say, well, how did you do that? Well, the deal is, is with, with joining the military, especially if you're, uh, you know, in a situation where you're not the ideal candidate that they're looking for, you have to prove to them that you're worth taking the time because the, the recruiter's time, like, why would he spend time on me? When he can spend time on a guy that has no felonies, has a high school diploma, and all he has to do is sign him up and push him through. Why well, put the effort forth in me? So I, I made it to where I proved to them and everyone at that art recruiting station that I was worth being a Marine, that, that their time and effort put into me was going to be, there was going to be a return of investment on me in the Marine Corps. And that's what I think a lot of kids forget is like, you're, you're, it's a service. You're serving them. It's, you're not owed anything. Nobody owes you anything. Like you're not entitled to anything. Everything that you have, everything that you're going to get, you're going to have to earn. Nothing is given to you. And I think that's something that like, they're like, well, I want to serve. I should be able to serve. Okay. Well, just because you want to, doesn't mean that you get to. It's a, it's a service. You're doing it not for yourself, but for, for a greater cause. And I think sometimes that gets missed and with, you know, glorifying of, you know, TV and articles and video games. I think a lot of young men want the glory of that. They want the glory and the title of earning that. They don't really want to work for it, though. So it's something that really needs to be self-assessed. But th- so I joined the Marine Corps. I finally got in. Here's the ironic thing. Two and a half years working to get into the military and on training day seven, the seventh day of training and, and recruit training, I break my wrist on the bayonet course and I get dropped to a medical rehabilitation platoon and I sat there for, well, I wouldn't say sat there. I, I basically had to play the boot camp games with a, with a cast on my arm and, and rehabilitate for two and a half months. But I did it. You did, did boot it. camp with a cast on your arm. Well, I, I was in the medical rehabilitation platoon for two and a half months. So what I did during that time while my hand was healing was I basically applied myself and learned everything that I could learn about recruit training. And, and you guys, you have to imagine like in, in Marine Corps recruit, recruit training, you speak in the third person all the time. So it's, it's you, you never say I like there's no I there's no you're not an individual. You always say this recruit. Right. So imagine for six, for five and a half, six months, speaking in the third person. That's crazy, man. It is. It is crazy. So I, anyways, I, I finally got through that. I pushed and pushed and, you know, pushed through therapy and, and 
really got out of there as fast as I could because it was just a nightmare being in there. And because I took that time, I went to the platoon and I was just so far ahead of everybody. You know, I showed up, I had been on the Island for three months and these guys had just shown up on training. You know, they'd been there seven days. So it gave me a huge advantage and really like what was able to help a lot of recruits out and then ended up being the guide. And then through that, I ended up actually being company honor grad. So, you know, through, you know, I basically persevered through that adversity, use it, use it as a benefit, not a crutch and became, and came out on top. Now, then I went to my unit and, you know, I, I've told this story before, but I've, I've, I've went to my unit and, and quickly realized that that was not the place for me because I got hurt. I lost my MOS. I lost my boat space and they transferred me to a different MOS in administration. And that was just not my speed at all whatsoever. I was supposed to be infantry, lost that. The guy made me a, a, an administrative, I think he was called a diary clerk. And that lasted all of a couple of weeks. And um, I ended up, you know, doing some other things. And then ended up doing an individual augment to Turkey and then came back from that and then met a guy and took uh, the screening for second force recon. And really, that's it. I mean, I was at Second Force Recon. Then I went out to Third Reconnaissance Battalion in, in Okinawa, and then back to um, Second Force. But at time, at that time, it had turned to Second Raider Battalion. Well, now what's called Second Raider Battalion, and then finished up my last six years there. And it was it was great. Went to deploy to Turkey, all over Southeast Asia, Iraq, and Afghanistan, and uh, that was my career. And that ended, that ended November 1st, 2012. Wow, what a fascinating story and very inspirational in terms of the whole journey from youth, all the things that youth sometimes go through, but yet not letting that define you and continuing on and having this uh, excellent career. How have, you, how have you now taken that body of work, your career, all of your experiences, how are you now bringing that to your own thought leadership and what you're doing for the people that follow you? I think that, you know, you never got it all figured out, right? But we are our past and, and what we do in our past and our life is what defines us. Obviously, the big part of, you know, the military and doing operational planning and looking at things on the business side, I mean, I really just kind of took that I took that kind of thought process that's, you know, that special operations thought process and planning, and I really just applied it to business. And a lot of guys have done that. A lot of special operators have done that, and they've done very, very well in business because you just kind of take that same mythology and you apply it to, to your business. And, and that's, what, that's what I did. And, and by no means have I figured it all out, but I, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. But when it comes to all the adversity and everything, and I talk about this, I don't know if, if Nikki, if you've came across the Raider Project stuff and the, and the transition stuff, the, the transition work that I do. I did. Um, Pretty cool stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's really where it came down for me was when I got out, I was not doing well. And, and I, I even had a really good paying job. I mean, I felt like I, I almost felt guilty for how much money I was making when I got out. But you would think that, oh, you know, from the outsider looking in, like, oh, man, he got out. He got a great paying job. Everything's good. But, man, I was falling apart. Like, my whole life was falling apart. Like, my health was, my brain was, my, 
everything that, you know, my relationship was, everything was just going to crap. Um, and outside looking in, you think, oh man, the guy made it. Like he, you know, he had a successful career. Now he's making a good amount of money here, but it was anything but the case. So, you know, working with the Raider Project and really focusing on helping individuals really made me focus on myself. Like by, you know, by helping others, I had to take a really hard look at myself and, and kind of own my own shit and own the things that I had done and, and deal with those things. And then because of the process of the Raider Project, I kind of used myself as a guinea pig to go through some of these transitional kind of healing thought processes. And what I came to was really one, the seven stages of transition, which I talk about in my keynote, and I'm actually writing a book and, uh, you know, I'm working on getting it published. It's, that's probably one of the most difficult things that's out there. Um, but I've got some, good, some really good legs on that. So, but it, it just came down to really owning your stuff, having a process to, to deal with, deal with your past, but really the positive, you know, being positive about the future. And looking at like looking at really healthy people and looking at people who are happy, you know, it always comes down to they're they feel worthy enough to be happy. They're vulnerable with others and they're they're extremely positive and they do not allow any negativity to kind of enter their life. And that goes with, you know, relationships, that goes with the job. And you know, I really just kind of adapt to that. And and that's something and it's not something I do perfectly, it's just something that I I believe is the right way to do things. So with my channel, with my, you know, my followers and with anybody, that, you know, a lot of guys like kind of run around and try to like, I'm a big tough guy and they beat their chest. And, you know, and I, I feel like my tough guy days are over, you know, but what I can do is, you know, I always say this, like if, if what I do in business or what I do publicly is not motivating or inspiring people, then what is the point? Like what, What's the point of doing what I'm doing if I can't educate, motivate, and inspire others to live a better life? Well said, Nick. Well said. You know, there's a distinction that I created as a little piece of intellectual property called macho versus masculine. And macho to me is the chess beater, right? Look at me. Look how big I am. Look how tough I am. I'm going to come kick your butt and all that stuff. Masculine is not. Masculine's just calm, steady. And doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. He just is. So uh, 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 macho is to me the energy of an adolescent. Masculine to me is the energy of a man, if that makes sense. Uh, I like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's powerful stuff. So here's my question. You spent 12 years in the Marine Corps. You reached the highest levels. You were a Marine Raider, Special Forces, and you took that and you turned it into a program. You've got the U.S. Marine Corps prep, you've got the Raider prep, and uh, you're gonna be doing keynote talks, and there's a whole bunch of other things which you know, I'm, I'm sure are lurking around in your head. How did you go ahead and turn that expertise into money, into something commercializable? That's what our listeners are interested in knowing. Yeah, and, that's, and see, that's the thing was, so I, I gotta rewind a little bit. So my first business was a training, I make a joke that every special operations guy, what he does when he gets out is he goes contracts, right? Because that's what you do. If you're a special operations guy, 
you get out and you go contract for some contracting company doing security or intelligence or what. So I did that. And then after that, when you're done contracting, what do you do? Well, you start your own training consulting business, doing the same thing for yourself. So I did that also. But what I quickly realized was, you know, as far as in business, it's not about what I necessarily want. You know, like, yes, I can have an idea of what I want to do, but it has to be the there has to be a client and the client has to want it. If you've got this great product, but nobody wants it, well, sorry, man, that's, you know, and I, I was really in love with my plan, super in love with my, my business plan, super in love with what I wanted to do, but nobody else was. And I had to take a hard look at that and go, okay, what, what is happening here? And, and I fought people on it. I was like, no, I was trying, no, you, what you, you don't understand. This is great because of this, this, and this. And I wasn't, I wasn't improvising and adapting and overcoming. I wasn't innovating. You weren't being a Marine. I wasn't being a Marine. Right. I, exactly. I was, I, I took, I fell in love with an idea and I wasn't being flexible enough to modify that idea to meet the, to meet the client and to meet the base of the climate you know, to meet the actual climate out there. When I let go of that and said, okay, take myself out of it, my personal beliefs and my, my own kind of desires, what could this be? And, and that's what I always tell people is say, okay, don't worry about, you know, what it will be or what it, it, it could be or, or what it, it is, but what it could be. And that's really like, if you, if you open the door to what, it, what something can be, what the possibilities of, of something is, that's really when you kind of things start to happen. And I stopped chasing money as much as we all need money and to, to thing. I stopped chasing the dollar bill. And that's really what I was doing. My first plan, I had a plan and I was chasing money. And instead of that, I said, you know what, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to do my thing. I'll, I'll, if the money comes, it comes, if not. And the, really the way this happened was we started with the Raider project. My business kind of went, you know, on the back burner and we really started focusing on, uh, we really started focusing on guys transitioning out, right? And that became, and the bigger the Raider project came, the more time my, my time was in that. Well, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, we started looking at, so we're helping guys leave the service. Well, then me and a buddy of mine that was working on helping guys uh, leave the service, we said, okay, we got, as the bigger it got, there was more young kids wanting to come into service. Okay. So how do we, how do we do this? So that's when we really started to build the prep books for the, you know, young men that were reaching out to us as mentors. They're saying, okay, you guys have been there and done this. What do I need to do? And that's really when we said, okay, like I'm getting hit up by, you know, anywhere from 12 year olds to 18 year olds. And I'm talking a hundred a day. So I read the climate. a day. Oh, easily, easily a hundred a day across all, across all mediums. You know, if you, if you want to talk about all social media platforms and emails and my website and everything easily a hundred a day. So now knowing this new information about, okay, paying attention to the climate, paying attention to what people need, not what I want to give them, but what they need. And that's kind of how it started. We started really identifying what they need and then just gave them what they need. And it's the same way with the channel. Like I started the channel a certain way. I wanted to do a certain thing and it wasn't really working. And I had, I had to listen to the client 
who are the viewers. I had to listen to the viewer and say, what is it that you want? I had to listen to their feedback and say, okay, this is what you want. And immediately we went from like 5,000 to, I think we're at 47,000 subscribers. And that is, I mean, that's, that's the reason why I'm on this channel. That EDC video, I I didn't want to do that EDC video. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a macho man. I'm not a tough guy anymore. I, you know what I mean? Like that's not something that I'm really interested in, but you know what? There's people out there that want the information that I have. So I, you know, and people say, oh, it's a, it's an ad in this. And it's, it's really not. Those are the exact items that I carry every single day. That's, that's my stuff. So, and that's what people wanted to know. So I had to listen to the client. Now, what you do is you, you do a little bit for, you do what they want you give them what they want. And then you do a little bit of what you want. And it's, and it's a balance, you know, and you continue on that way. They came down to the same thing with the, the, my first business, Survival and Tactical Systems. I was, we, you know, I had a big team. We were traveling all over the world. I had this business plan of like building this great compound. And it just, well, I was just hitting one brick wall after the other every time. I mean, I was flying all over the United States, meeting with investors and wanting to build this amazing like man, man training compound. And it was going to be awesome. But you know what? If that would have happened, my girlfriend said it best. If that would have happened, I would not be doing what I'm doing now. I would be on the compound, weed eating and cutting grass and picking up trash and cleaning the place up. And I'd be there 24 seven. I'd be anchored to that location as, as the owner. I mean, what, what I'm doing now is, you know, I'm filming YouTube series in Iceland and Greece. And now I'm, I'm in Hawaii as we speak. And I just, for before Hawaii, I was filming, a, I, was, I was helping film a documentary and some, and some episodes in Baja, Mexico on motorcycles, riding through Mexico on, uh, on bikes and all that, because I let go of what I thought it should be. And I was open to the possibilities of what could be. And now my business, my training consulting business that I was failing at traveling all over the United States, training people and making no money. I was actually in the hole because the overhead was so expensive. We were market, we, we paid for so much marketing you know, we had so many instructors so that the overhead was, was a lot. And then now that company makes more money than it ever has. I do zero marketing, but what I do is it's only private training and it's only corporate. So I do corporate team building and I do private training and I bring people in as needed. And now the company as a whole is in the black and it's made more money this, this past year than it, it ever has. And we have almost no overhead. I like it. It's remarkable. I absolutely love it. It's the the, the game of persistence and, and sometimes putting the, the pedal to the metal and sometimes putting it on the brake. And, uh, you know, you figure it out. If you've got the commitment and you've got the desire and passion, you figure it out. And you're, you know, what I love about the story is you're coming from your higher purpose, you know, the making a difference. You know, I hear that throughout your entire story, making a difference for that young man that you were back in the day. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, like, with when it comes to the business side of things, you can't be in love with your plan. If you're in love with your plan, you know, it. You can be in love with it all you want, but if other people aren't, it ain't going to go anywhere. Like you're not going to, you're not going to convince people. So you have to, people have to be flexible to change it. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's what we like. We were talking, we were having a conversation about, you know, editing our videos and stuff. 
And a lot of times we fall in love with the shots. We fall in love with a certain thing, but you can't. You have to take a step back and look at it from everybody else's, the viewership eyes, the customer's eyes, and go, okay, what do they need? And as soon as you fall in love with your plan, you're losing sight. You have to, every day you have to innovate. Every day you have to look for the next thing. Every day you have to make things better. And if you're not, and you're, you're becoming complacent, you're going to get passed. Some, somebody's going to, they're going to pass you. That's very true. There's another thought leader by the name of Donald Miller. He's, he, he wrote a book called Building Your Story Brand. He has a podcast called Story Brand and programs and so forth. And he says that you're not the hero in the journey. Your customer is. You're on it. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. And he said, you can't be talking about how good you are and what you deliver and all that. Nobody cares. They just care about themselves and they care if you can help solve a problem for them, a problem that they feel deeply and they want to have solved badly. And you know what strikes me, Nick, is this program that you've created, uh, the U.S. Marine Corps Prep and the Raider Prep, there's a way to repurpose that, eh? And this is something I could talk to you about offline, but I bet you there'd be a lot of people who may not necessarily want to go into the Marine Corps, but would want to be tough like a Marine or tough like a Raider. And you could probably turn that into a program that instead of selling it for the price of a book, you could sell it for the price of like a high-end online program, 3000 bucks, 5000 bucks, something like that. Because uh, sure. I'll tell you, I really like what you're all about. I like your video channel. I like the fact that you're a guy who's been there, done that, and you're showing people how to bring that level of mental toughness into everything they do in life. And I got to believe that's valuable. And, and that's and that's what and you're, you you hit the nail on the head. And it's and it's not about being macho. And the toughness that I talk about is not is not about you know being like beating your chest. It's about life sucks sometimes, and you have to be tough to deal with it. And it's about persevering and, and through adversity and never quitting. When you get knocked down, you get back up and you dust yourself off. And I don't mean physically. I mean, like you lose your job, you get a divorce, like shit happens, man. But you can't let it beat you. You get back up, you dust yourself off, you evaluate your situation and you move forward. You always move forward. And you do that in a positive way. You, you, you get rid of the negative out of your life and you push towards the positive. You get healthy, you get in shape, you sleep good, and you, and you follow your passion. And you, don't, and you don't let adversity just kill you. You don't let it beat you. That's a powerful message. Maybe one I needed to hear today, you know? Um, it, it's, it's, it's an important reminder that that happened. I mean, a few months ago, uh, this isn't something I normally talk about on the show, but what, a good friend of mine was shot to death. And uh, it, it's affected me. Not only has it affected me, it's stayed in, in my psyche. It's made me think a lot about what's the meaning of life and all kinds of other stuff. And uh, a friend of mine who's been a mentor to me uh, that I worked out with three to five times a week, uh, he just all of a sudden told me he was moving to another country and, he, and he's gone. And having spent two years with this man all the time and not having him be around anymore, it's, it's affected me as well. And what you just said to me right now, it resonated for me. This is part of life. You got to move forward and I'm not going to let it beat me. And if you're a listener listening to this, it's a powerful message for you as well, especially if you're dealing with some adversity today. So thank you for that, Nick. Most welcome. I mean, it's, it's a horrible situation. And, you know, the guys that I've worked with and myself, I mean, we, we unfortunately, it's really sad, but we know loss. You know, like the, the guys that I've worked with, I mean, 
typically we've lost more friends in a short amount of time in the military than most people. Absolutely. You know, they're, you know, lose their entire life. So it's, it's a heavy, it's a very, very heavy burden. And there's a lot of guilt that comes with that. And like, you know, there's survivor's guilt, but that's the thing is, is, you know, I, I look at, you know, who my buddies are and who they were and how they would want to live. And you do, you just have to move forward, not necessarily forget them, but you have to live. You talk about the meaning of life and being, I mean, it's, it's about happiness and passion. Like in, in the grand yes, scheme sir. of things, Absolutely. We're, on this, we're on the, we're, we're on this earth of a, a flash in the pan. So if, if our life is just built around our, that flash in the pan is just built around negative negativity and depression and, and strife. I mean, that is like, that's horrible. It should be excite. It should be positive and excitement and, 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 you know, fun. It should be fun. I mean, you're only, you're only here for a little bit. It should be fun and enjoyable. And we shouldn't allow these situations to just completely crush us and not allow us to get a little bit of peace and happiness that everyone deserves. Well said, my friend, well said. We like to end off every episode by asking you, our guests, for your three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take to take their life or their business to the next level. So what are yours? Oh, okay. So <laughs> I feel like you set, I don't know if you've like looked into my stuff, but I have, I happen to, I happen to, uh, have three. So the first one, and this just kind of goes into the, the, the transition talk, but you know, you never, uh, you know, the military taught me, you never bring up a problem without a solution, right? If you're the guy that's, if you're the guy's bringing up a, bringing up a problem and say, okay, what's the solution? Oh, I don't got one. I'm just, well, now you're just bitching. <laughs> you're just, you're just complaining. But what I tell everybody that's really having a difficult time or wanting to better their life, the first thing is sleep. So if you're not sleeping well, your brain, your creativity, your the your hormones, the everything that makes you your dopamine, that makes you happy, everything is not functioning correctly. Mm. All right. So if you're not getting a good, I mean, I'm talking like eight to ten hours of sleep a night, you are you're not going to be functioning correctly. And things are not going to go the way that you want them to go. And that's just, that's a scientific fact. Look at the oldest people in the world and what do they do? They sleep a lot and they take naps. And that's just, our brain needs that recovery time. Our brain needs to heal and be able to, you know, produce the chemicals that we need, the, the growth hormones and the dopamine and everything. So anyways, so the first one's sleep. The next one is going to be physically fit. Hmm. And we'll get to the other stuff, but that's the second one is being physically fit because when you're physically fit, okay, everything is flowing correctly. Not only that, but if you're not physically fit and you start working out within a couple of weeks, you're like, oh, wow, I look better. Like I feel better. I look better. And you really don't. But what that is, is that's the dopamine kicking in in your brain that's making you feel better. Okay. And then, then the last one is really follow your passion. And that's you know, whatever that may be, you might be in, in a cubicle, you know, doing the stamp methods on pieces of paper or data entry and, and, and hate your life. Um, if that's not, if you don't love that, that is slowly killing you and you need to figure out what, what is it makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning. And yep. then when you find that, 
when you find what excites you every single day and what you get so excited about, you need to follow that and you need to, and I, and I said this in a video, you need to crawl, grab, scratch, do whatever it takes to follow that passion and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't chase the money, follow the passion and that everything will come from that. I, I believe it to the universe will line up and everything will come to you. I believe it with every fiber of my being, but you have to believe in yourself and you have to, you have to have that no quit, that never quit, never surrender attitude with what you're doing. That's fantastic, man. So Nick, how do people get uh, a hold of your books and uh, how do they watch you on YouTube? There, so my, my name on YouTube, so Nick Kumalasos is, is in there and there's a, there's a, <laughs> it's a very wide, wide array of information on our channel, everything from, you know, uh, the vlogging style episodes to, you know, informational type pieces. And then my website, you can get a hold of me on, through my website. All my social media links are there. And then the books, the book, both, uh, both USMC prep and Raider prep books are on my, on our website, but they're also on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, they're, they're published everywhere. And, um, if anybody's listening, that is just wants to get, uh, like I talk about, okay, I'm going to get physically fit. And I don't mean like, you know, like special operations physically fit, but if you just want to start and have a really solid foundation of physical fitness, USMC prep is, is actually where it's at. We've actually been talking about retuning that training program as just a generic physical fitness training program because people are using it to, you know, older guys are using, older Marines are using it just to get back in shape. Um, people are, you know, we have SWAT team guys that are using it to, to prep for SWAT team. We have F people in the FBI that are looking at for it for their selection for the academy. So it's, it's been great. So if you're looking to say, hey, I'm going to start something, then start with USMC prep and go with there. It's a great foundational building physical fitness program, but they're all on their website. They're on Amazon. They're everywhere. You guys can find everything. Um, and, and as well as all my other things, if you go to my website and click projects, you'll see all my different businesses. I've got coffee company. I've got us a, a fitness subscription box. Um, I've got a couple other things, but they're, they're all listed on there. Fantastic, Nick. Thanks so much. Listen, so if you're listening to this episode and you want to be the Nick Kumalatsos of your niche or your niche, if you're listening in Canada, then what you need to do is you need to go and jump on a call with us. Your expertise is something that could be worth something. And if you want to know what it's worth out there in the marketplace, go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Go find out if the difference you were born to make is something that can be turned into commercial value. And don't delay. It's free. Set up an appointment with us, and we'll be happy to help you figure out if this is something that you can take into the marketplace and turn into money for yourself. Nick, thanks so much for being on the show with us. It was a real honor to have you here. And uh, Michael and I, we just love the gold that you gave us. Thank you so much. Awesome, Stoke. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. That wraps another episode of the Thought Leader Revolution. To learn more about today's inspiring guest, you can go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. And as well, if you believe that what's in your head needs to be out there in the world in a much bigger way, please jump on a call, ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. 
we can help you figure out what that's worth and how you can get it out there in a much bigger way. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>